Welcome to the Leadership Playbook, the show where successful leaders share what they learn to get to where they are. This podcast is an offshoot of the Albers Executive Speaker Series. And it's brought to you by RSMUS LLP, the nation's leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on the middle market. I'm your host, Joe Phillips, the Dean of Seattle University's Albers School of Business and Economics. Good evening. Thank you for coming this afternoon to the Albers Executive Speaker Series. My name is Joe Phillips. I'm the Dean of the Albers School, and this evening we're happy to welcome Laura Kleiss, who's the founder of Intentionalist. Her theme tonight is Economic Allyship, Bridging the Gap Between Intention and Action. So a brief introduction on Laura. She is the founder and CEO of Intentionalist, as I mentioned. Intentionalist is an online platform and guide to small businesses and the diverse people behind them. Laura previously led sustainability and corporate responsibility at Weyerhaeuser and Plum Creek and was the president of Plum Creek Foundation. She's held executive roles in sustainable development, supplier diversity, external communications, and corporate citizenship with Areva. And she began her career in brand management at General Mills. Laura received her MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management, and her undergraduate degree is from Carleton College. She is a 2013 Aspen Institute First Mover Fellow and a member of the Net Impact Advisory Council. So please join me in welcoming Laura to Seattle University. Laura, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you all this evening. I'm Laura Kleiss. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the founder and CEO of Intentionalist, and I'm honored to be with you this evening. I'm excited that we have a little bit of time for me to share a bit about me, why Main Street matters, and have a conversation about the importance of economic allyship. So, once upon a time, Many years ago, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. I was adopted when I was six months old and grew up here in Seattle. My mom's side of the family is Japanese American from the island of Kauai, and my dad's family has been in Seattle for several generations. Growing up, I struggled to fit in. I was nerdy and I did well in school, but I didn't have many friends. In high school, I was a three-sport varsity athlete all four years, but while I had teammates on the field, off the field, I ate lunch by myself and wondered why I didn't belong. College was different. I played varsity soccer. I joined an acapella group. I got involved in LGBTQ advocacy. I connected with people from a variety of backgrounds and majors and interests. And for the first time, I had a taste of what it felt like to be a part of a community. The two decades since I graduated from college have been a non-linear arc of learning and exploration that has included brand management, managerial responsibility for a team of five, then 20, then 40, business school and a career pivot to corporate social responsibility, and where I am today in the throes of social entrepreneurship. The seed that would eventually become intentionalist 
was planted in 2012 when I visited a business school classmate in Southeast Asia. I wanted the money that I spent as a tourist to benefit people and the local economy, but doing so was easier said than done. I began dreaming of harnessing technology to make it easier to intentionally spend in support of local businesses and diverse communities. And in 2018, I founded Intentionalist. At Intentionalist, we believe that where we spend our money matters and that everyday decisions about where we eat, drink, and shop are an opportunity to connect with and support Main Street small businesses and the diverse people behind them. The story of Intentionalist is a story rooted in the power of connection and relation and belonging and community. Main Street businesses are the heart and soul of our communities. And in 2020, as stay home orders were issued and shop windows went dark, we were reminded that perhaps we'd been taking them for granted. Here in Seattle, we watched restaurant owners like Melissa Miranda of Musang, Christy Brown of Communion, Linda DeLello Morton and Tamara Murphy of Terra Plata set up community kitchens. We watched as businesses like Seattle Fish Guys and Freelard Tamales reached out to other local businesses, including Hmong flower farmers who were approaching their busy season just as Pike Place Market shut down. We were worried for our neighbors. People like Van Nguyen of Nightlight Nails in Wallingford, who overnight went from operating a bustling business to months without being able to serve a single customer. And so we organized and we took action. We ordered takeout and bought gift cards. We helped with grant applications and we found other ways to check in on and show up for each other. As the pandemic continued, we participated in protests for racial justice, and we were reminded that as Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the inseparable twin of racial injustice is economic injustice. So the conversation about how we move forward is one that includes a myriad of questions about how we reimagine policy and practice and access toward a more inclusive, equitable economy. Economic allyship is about bridging the gap between intention and action. Allyship is not a declaration, it's a progression from awareness through understanding to action. Awareness. The past two years have been a low tide, revealing many of the truths that we've known were lurking beneath the surface of the water of our busy lives. Truths about the fragility of Main Street, inequality, and the many ways we have yet to live up to our aspirational commitments to shared prosperity. Understanding. 
So as we navigate economic recovery toward a more equitable, sustainable future, the economy we rebuild should be relational, not just transactional. What happens when we think not just about what and how much and how fast, but about who benefits from everyday decisions about where we eat, drink, and shop? How can we contribute to the kind of neighborhood and city and world we say we want by supporting small businesses and the diverse people behind them? Action. So many of us know a lot of the right words. We talk about combating institutional racism, sexism. We talk about intersectionality, BIPOC, anti-racist. And we have good intentions. But allyship is about action. Let's look for a moment at the revenue gap for women-owned businesses. Average revenue for a woman-owned business is half that of businesses owned by men. Average revenue for a business owned by a Latina woman is half that of the average for all women-owned businesses and average revenue for businesses owned by black women are half the average of those owned by Latina women. Closing the revenue gap for businesses owned by women of color would have an enormous impact on the economy to the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And each of us can help close that gap just by being more intentional about the money we spend. Economic allyship is about putting our collective thumb on the scales of economic justice, doing what we can with what we have to contribute to the world that we want. So do we want to live in a city where diverse cultures are represented and celebrated on Main Street? If our answer is yes, then we need to spend like it matters. If we value the people whose businesses hold space for us to come together, make new connections, organize and celebrate, we need to spend like it matters. We can all be part of the solution to economic inequality, racial injustice, and the fraying of the social fabric of our communities simply by being more intentional about everyday decisions about where we eat, drink, and shop. And yet when it comes to the question of who benefits when we spend like it matters, the answer is, we all do. Small businesses receive the support they need, and we all experience the benefits of a more connected, inclusive, equitable economy. In December 2019, I met Miss Mary Wesley of Flowers Just For You, the only black-owned florist in the region. Gentrification and displacement had led to a series of setbacks, and after more than 35 years in business, she faced eviction. Fortunately, word got out. An intentionalist was proud to be a part of the community that rallied behind her. Fast forward, and just a couple of months ago in February, intentionalist visited Mary and Flowers Just For You with one of our partners. 
the Seattle Seahawks. Mary shared her story with Blitz the Seahawk, Seahawks staffs, and members of the Seahawks dance team who were moved by her service to her community. The next week, Flowers Just For You was robbed. When the Seahawks heard about the incident, they reached out to Mary to help. And what they said to me was that because they knew her, because they had met her, they wanted to be of support. Flowers Just For You was no longer just an FDD florist. It was Miss Mary's flower shop. And when we know our neighbors, we're able to show up for them when they're in need. The decisions we make every day shape the world around us. Be kind. Be the reason that someone feels seen and heard and appreciated. Be intentional and spend like it matters. Is this the hot seat? This is the hot seat. I'm protecting you from the panelists, so don't worry. <laughs> so uh, yes, we have three panelists that will have some questions for us. Uh, we have an alum, a grad student, and an undergrad student. So first, the alum, Ashley Burns is closest to me. She's a passionate communication strategist who focuses on racial and gender equity in education, health, housing, economic empowerment, and other social issues. She has an undergraduate degree from the Albers School. She is the founding principal of the Rally Seattle office, which provides creative and communications services to groups working for social change. Prior to Rally, Ashley led communications and media events for international product launches at Microsoft, Lego, NASA, and elsewhere. And sitting next to her is Ananya Jahari. She is a student in our Master of Science and Finance program, and she's planning to graduate this fall. She is a chartered accountant in India and has over five years of experience in accounting and finance work there with Barclays. Currently, Ananya works as a client account manager in the Innovation Entrepreneurship Center's Ramp Up program, which assists underserved businesses in our nearby community. And this summer, she will intern with Bordeaux Wealth Advisors as an associate wealth advisor. And after graduation, she's planning for a career in financial management. And then finally, our third panelist is Michael Ross. He's a senior majoring in management. He works full-time as the treaty resource analyst at the Snoqualmie tribe and part-time as a client account manager in the Ramp Up program. He is also the former vice chairman of the Snoqualmie Tribal Council. So those are our panelists. Ashley, you will get to go first since you're closest. So in my work, I think, as much about the words that we use intentionally as much as the words we shouldn't use intentionally. And so I think about how much habit change is required to adjust our behavior. And so when you talk about spending like it matters, getting to know your neighbor, I also think about the culture around us of convenience, get it fast, et cetera. So can you talk a little bit about either what you've seen or even in your own journey of like what it means to move from how perhaps mainstream culture does things, which is like right now most convenient, et cetera, to being super intentional because that requires a bit of work. So first of all, you're right. We live in a world where we all swipe and click our way to immediate gratification. 
And yet, what I'm relentlessly bullish about is that while I enjoy convenience as much as the next person, I'm busy juggling a number of different things. Who doesn't like convenience? Uh, convenience isn't the only priority all of the time, right? So we're here in Seattle. Seattle's a tech hub. Seattle's a tech hub for companies who have recognized and seized the opportunity to monetize the part within each of us that is busy, self-focused, maybe a little hedonistic, impatient, right? It exists within each of us. The reason that I'm bullish about the work that Intentionalist has been doing is because we speak to another part that exists within each of us but doesn't yet have the financial backing of venture capitalists to the tune of trillions of dollars, right? And that's the part within each of us that actually does give a damn about other people that would like to make a difference and contribute to our communities and that increasingly is grappling with the dissonance between who we say we want to be and the actions that we take and the way that those actions then shape the world around us. So prior to founding Intentionalist, I spent most of my career in corporate sustainability and corporate social responsibility. And what I watched over more than a decade were shifts in consumer values and preferences that began to drift toward purpose and responsibility and sustainability. And yes, convenience matters, but what has been exciting for us to see at Intentionalist is that it isn't the only thing that matters the most all of the time. And that in a world where, I mean, Sure, it would be great if everybody practiced, I don't know, shop local veganism. We don't need that drastic of a paradigm shift to move meaningful resources to Main Street small businesses in our communities. I mean, if you think about Small Business Saturday last year, Americans spent over $20 billion in a single day. In a single day. And so in a world where we spend like it matters meatless Monday style, that still adds up to an incredible amount of impact. And it also, it connects us in a different way to our communities in a way that I think we've been reminded, especially over the past two years, does in fact matter. Thanks, Laura, for telling us about Intentionless and how and what inspired you to, to begin with Intentionless. My question for you is, what was the most challenging part of creating Intentionless and what's your future plan in expanding Intentionalism? Thank you. So if you talk to any small business owner or entrepreneur, they will tell you the truth that is, it's really hard work. 
And it's a lot of really hard work. And I don't think that anybody starts a business thinking otherwise. I have been a nerdy, driven kid <laughs> my whole life. And so the, the prospect of, of hard work wasn't what was daunting. Um, I expected hard work. I expected a myriad of barriers, uh, cultural and otherwise, as uh, a woman of color entrepreneur. What I think I didn't anticipate, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about some of the more traditional, tangible things that emerged as obstacles, but what I want to mention first is that I underestimated the extent to which entrepreneurship would bring me face-to-face -face with all of my deepest fears and insecurities. And that's something that hard work can kind of mitigate, but that ultimately, I think, reflects what it means to bet on an idea and a vision for impact with everything that you have and everything that you can bring to that effort. As I think about the past four years of Intentionalist's journey, we would have all the funding we need if I had received a dollar from every person who told me, oh, are there even enough of those diverse businesses? Do people care about small businesses? People care about convenience. People care about price. Oh, we're already doing that. Oh, that's been done. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't really see how what you're talking about is going to be a thing. I think that that is a common experience for a lot of founders, right? But the, the reality is to start a company, you have to have <laughs> a little bit of surrealistic passion belief in the need and the opportunity for what you're building and what I have known for a decade now is that there is an under-leveraged impact opportunity to harness consumer spending in support of a more connected, inclusive Main Street economy, period. We might not be there yet in terms of our technology. Turns out it's hard to build a tech company when you can only afford half of a software engineer, note to self. But what we've lacked in the sophistication of our technology and our product, which admittedly is functional, not yet fabulous, are connections and relationships and from that partnerships that as we build our next layers of technology and extend the utility of our platform, man, will we have a lot of wind in our sails. So here's where we are right now. We have built the most comprehensive directory of Main Street small businesses in the region owned by folks from underrepresented communities. 
we have layered on top of that mechanisms for moving money in ways that are not extractive and that respect our commitment to small business owners at the core of our mission. And it turns out that our belief that there's a different, better way to discover, learn about, and spend money in support of Main Street small businesses that doesn't rely on squeezing them for every nickel of profit possible, it can be a thing. When I look at our collaboration with all of the major Seattle professional sports teams and the ways that we're working together to offer consumer incentives, right? So later this month, it's Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So later this month, everyone will be able to purchase gift cards from AA and HPI-owned small businesses through Intentionalist at a 20% discount. We all love discounts. But what makes this different is that our partners make up the difference so that small businesses are whole. And what's exciting for our partners is when I talked to the Seattle Storm at the end of last year, and they looked at the numbers, they couldn't believe that their collaboration with Intentionalist was the second most impactful of all of their Force for Change initiatives. And that's the power of leveraging a dollar of their spend to incentivize the broader community to also spend like it matters. Finally, what's next for us? We're at a really exciting inflection point where we're four years into what I think is a pretty robust proof of concept. We have a ton of momentum. We have partners that beyond the professional sports teams include uh, local government, tech companies, universities, community-based organizations. And we are in the midst, as of last week, of an equity crowdfunding campaign to resource our next phase of growth and impact. We are finally raising resources through equity crowdfunding because it provides an opportunity for our community to invest in and have a literal stake in the future of Intentionalist and our Spend Like It Matters impact mission. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Wow, that was a lot to unpack. Probably going off script here, but does anyone else want to ask any clarifying questions? I'm trying to remember everything you said because I think you answered two of my questions already. So uh, anyone from the audience want to? Okay, go ahead, yeah. So the, the question was from a member of the community who is leading a Main Street Business Association in Renton. And the question was about how members of her community might engage with intentionalists. So we welcome the opportunity to connect with and engage with Main Street small businesses. So for us, those are businesses that have a brick and mortar presence, and that's by design. 
it definitely would have been easier for us to build a platform that focused on e-commerce. And there's certainly a lot of value to products and services available through e-commerce platforms, but we wanted to be intentional about closing the gap between consumers who care and the main street small businesses whose physical presence really influences uh, the cultural and economic and social vibrancy of our communities. So what I would recommend is on an individual basis, businesses can add themselves to our online directory, intentionalist.com, click add a business. And what that kicks off is a series of steps that we are close to automating that guide the business owner through the different ways of engaging with and participating in our programs, some of which include being highlighted through our social media channels, newsletter. I mean, anecdotally, there's a wonderful black woman-owned massage business called Warrior Wellness. Met the owner, Lisa Hernandez. Uh, she was really excited to be getting her business off the ground, especially having started during the pandemic. And as we learned and had the opportunity to help tell her story, she let us know that within 12 hours of highlighting her through our Instagram account, she had 10 new clients. So again, there's, there's never a, a guarantee per se, but it has been really wonderful for us to build what in essence is a two-sided marketplace that includes diverse-owned small businesses on the one hand, as well as a growing community of consumers, companies, community-based organizations, local government partners who want to spend like it matters. As somebody who's a part of a Main Street economic development organization, please follow up with me after the conversation this evening, and there are ways that we can streamline the process and engage and onboard more of your businesses as opposed to one at a time, although either are fine. Uh, my question is, and it's a little cliche, a little business-minded, but when I was helping uh, open Catfish Corner with Terrell Jackson, one easy thing was to make sure that his business was highlighted on a lot of the search engine type things, like the Yelps, it's a restaurant, the, the Googles, and of course, Intentionalist. I went to Intentionalist first because I've used it and I know that's what I use personally. But if I was to tell someone else, I think their first inclination would be to go to Google or Yelp or some other review site. Those sites are also doing the, like kind of the same thing, just at least identifying that it's a black owned business or it's a BIPOC owned business or whatever it is, whatever the latest fad when it comes to window dressing is for large corporations. How is that affecting your business? How is that like taking people uh, away from intentionalists searching through your directory as opposed to you know, them going to Google or, or Yelp? So you're right. It has been interesting to see the way that some of the mainstay tech companies have responded to consumer insistence that they make it easier for us to vote with our dollars. Certainly, it was interesting to see the way that many tech companies 
responded to the murder of George Floyd. It was interesting to see for how many it took a tragedy of that magnitude for them to decide to allocate their resources to center people in diverse communities in a different way. And we have always known that there would be a day when given the disproportionate resources that big tech has at their disposal, that it would be an opportunity for them to provide similar information. All of that being said, when you look at our site visits, when you look at our revenue, when you look at our growth, when you look at who companies and universities and government are reaching out to partner with, Google and Yelp and all of those companies were options and yet our phone rang or an email appeared in my inbox, right? And you kind of have to ask the question, why? Why are these folks reaching out to us? Why did Apple Maps reach out to Little Intentionalist? And I think that while we are arguably still really small, there is there's an integrity to what we do. There's an integrity to our business model, right? I get an email almost daily from a food delivery business. And certainly there was a time when I received an, an email uh, promotion that said, oh, you know, buy from this black owned restaurant using, you know, our meal delivery service. And I think that what has been interesting over the past couple of years is that we've started to learn a little bit more about what the underlying business models are and who benefits, right? And that question of who benefits is core to every decision that we make at Intentionalist. And whether we grow to the national and international scale that I know is within our potential or not, every day that we exist, we can answer the question of who benefits from Intentionalist and everything that we do with integrity because small businesses benefit. And you aren't going to peel back layers and realize, my gosh, I thought that I was supporting a black owned restaurant, but when you look at the numbers, what's really happening? Who's really benefiting? And I think that this is a question that we as society have to have, and we have to have it more often, because we tend to talk about the consequences, right? We talk about the disproportionate impacts on historically marginalized communities, but the reality is that, I mean, it's up to us. And in a world where we say that we care about addressing inequality, we need to be prepared to ask the question who benefits and then vote with our dollars and in alignment with our values. I have a somewhat related follow-up, both in part, you talked about at the end of your opening the wealth gap 
And then you shared some anecdotes about the masseuse and the flower shop owner. I was actually just driving by there the other day telling my husband, like, there's a black-owned flower shop there. And when you think about the generational impacts of what it means to own your own business and be profitable and how that doesn't just impact the business owner, but their family and, you know, the ripples can go on and on. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of the inspiring stories or anecdotes that you've seen where it's, it's yes, the business owner is impacted, but also like everyone else they're connected to is often impacted and maybe what some things you've seen along the way. So the, the first thing that I, that I'd love to share is that my maternal grandma grew up on a sugarcane plantation on the island of Kauai. And I have really clear memories of exchanges when I was in elementary school. And we were encouraged to ask our grandparents about what it was like for them going to school. And my grandma wrote me a letter and told me that she had to walk a mile to the bus stop barefoot. And that after elementary school, for her, there was no more school because she was a girl and it was time to start working on the plantation. She hated it. She was able to find her way to some domestic service, saved enough money to go to sewing school, eventually met her husband, and they started a small appliance repair business together. And as a result of their small business ownership, the impact on my mom and subsequent generations was, was amazing, right? And I think that that is my personal experience with the, the impact of small business ownership when it comes to providing economic stability, economic mobility. I mean, when you talk to small business owners, um, when you talk to immigrant and refugee small business owners, when you talk to what I think is a really beautiful renaissance of Black-owned small businesses in neighborhoods like the Central District in Seattle, and you, you ask folks why they're doing what they're doing, I mean, part of it is cultural. Part of it is a love for community and connection and sharing. And part of it is the recognition of the ripple effects when economic opportunity and intergenerational wealth transfer become a reality. I think, unfortunately, the past couple of years have been brutal, right? And it has been heartbreaking for me as somebody who was and still is out in the community every day talking to small business owners to hear about the amount of wealth destruction that's occurred over the past two years. But I do think that small business owners are the epitome of grit and perseverance. And I think that in addition to the benefits to their kids and their next of kin, one of the things I think is really important to celebrate are the ways that small business owners take care of all of us. Because I think it's something that we take for granted. And I'm not just talking about donations to uh, school auctions or local sports league sponsorships. One anecdote that I'll share is, as I mentioned, entrepreneurship is hard. 
It's usually hard multiple times a day. It's also amazing multiple times a day. But there was a day when I was having a rough time. And whenever I am feeling a little bit down, my go-to is I visit a small business owner that I know. And on this day, I drove to Hillman City and I stopped into Emma's Barbecue. If you don't know Emma's Barbecue, it's owned by an incredible woman named Tess Thomas. Look her up, chat me up afterward. I'd love to share more about her story. But the story that I want to tell right now is that when I first met Tess, there were two things that really struck me. One is that her brisket was worth driving from Ballard down to Hellman City multiple times a week. It's, it's that good. And if you're a vegetarian, don't worry. So was her dad. And so there are some great vegetarian options on the menu as well. The other thing that I noticed was that Tess Thomas is a Seahawks fan. Not a Seahawks fan, like, you know, I have a hat and I have a jersey and I'll tune in. She is a Seahawks fan. And on this not so great day when I stopped in, she had just received the news that after popping up at a golf event where we'd had the opportunity through our partnership with the Seahawks to curate uh, some of the food businesses at the event, Tess and Emma's barbecue had been invited to serve their food at a Seahawks game. And she was on cloud nine. And what I think about is that, I mean, it was certainly about the food, but it wasn't just about the food, right? It was about the opportunity to make connections. And through those connections for her business and her grandchildren who are part of that business, to live into her dream for what, what it could be, right? And spoiler alert, Emma's Barbecue was such a hit at that one game that their contract was extended to the entire Seahawks season, and then it was extended to the Sounders season. And at the most recent Seahawks draft party, Tess and her granddaughters were there serving their barbecue and having the time of their lives. I probably have a follow-up question on the last one, and that's how do you identify the small businesses? Like, what's the process like? Do you, do you look at the certifications, or do you look at the self-attestations, and what's the process like? So, as was mentioned in my bio a couple of roles ago, I started the supplier diversity program at my company. Um, it rolled up under kind of all of the do good stuff at the intersection of business and society. And so it was interesting for me in that role, right? So in between 2012, when I was in Southeast Asia, first starting to think about how to spend more intentionally, and 2018, when I started Intentionalist. So I was starting our supplier diversity program, and what went through my mind was all of the reasons that we're starting this program our values that I hold as an individual, what resources are available for someone like me? You know, I might not have, you know, the millions or billions of a large company or institution, but it seems like there ought to be a way. So 
because of my experience working in supplier diversity, it's been important for us at Intentionalist not to rely on certification for a few reasons, right? The first of which is that if we go into business together, according to certification schemes, if we are equal partners, we are not a woman-owned business, we are not a minority-owned business, we are not an LGBTQ-owned business, and it seems absurd to me that his manness would negate my womanness, right? And so what we do at Intentionalist is we try to offer transparency, right? So we'll indicate that there are multiple owners, if and when there are multiple owners, and that way people like you and I have line of sight and can choose. When it comes to identifying businesses, it's a mix, right? So as we've progressed, more and more businesses self-select, self-identify, and add themselves uh, to our directory or, or reach out through social media or email. We're also fortunate to be able to partner with a variety of community-based organizations who help make connections to the businesses that are a part of their networks, whether it's a community development financial institution or a business improvement area or local chamber or otherwise. And then, you know, my hope has always been that Intentionalist would be a community sourced list of places where we all can share and exchange the small businesses that we love. And so we do have a number of additions that come from community members. And when it comes to diverse identification, you rely on publicly available information and self-identification. You would love to keep this conversation going, but we've gone over time a little bit, so we really have to bring it to a close. So let's thank uh, Laura Kleiss for joining us this evening. Thank you, Laura. And also want to thank our panelists for their questions and thank the audience for being with us. Thank you all. You've been listening to The Leadership Playbook, the podcast edition of the Albers Executive Speaker Series at Seattle University. If you enjoyed what you heard today, consider telling a friend and give us a good rating on iTunes. You can subscribe to our show for free on your favorite podcast app, or find us online at leadershipplaybook.org. Find out who our next guests are by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Joe Phillips, the Dean of the Albers School of Business and Economics. Thanks for listening.